unmet physical needs, unmet uh, sleep and food and all those kinds of things takes you off your game. It puts you at a disadvantage. And that's especially true when it comes to our spiritual life. When we are hungry, when our spiritual tank is not being filled up, we're not at our best. We're off our game. For some of us, uh, that means coming into a relationship with Christ for the very first time, saying yes to Jesus, acknowledging our need for a Savior, someone to bridge the gap between us and a holy God. Uh, gave a son that died and was buried and rose again. Fully God, fully man. Some of us need to be taking that first bite, if you will. And then there's the rest of us who have already said yes to Christ. And there are times uh, all of us do it, I imagine, at least I do, when I am spiritually hungry, I don't necessarily know that's what's going on necessarily in my life, and I try to fill that void with something else. In a sense, I try to fill that void with spiritual junk food. And for all of us, that can be a little bit different. Uh, sometimes uh, the spiritual food, in a sense, the way we engaged in Christ needs to be changed or adjusted a little bit. Eating the same kind of thing in the same way uh, doesn't always captivate our, our heart. So this idea, though, of being hungry, we're not at our best. And really, the story of the Older Testament, uh, watching them go from judges into Samuel and their first king, Saul, and we're going to continue to unpack that through the summer, and then we'll get into some other things, but we'll move our way through David. We're going to see that, that spiritually they needed to make God their king. And Saul starts off, I, I don't know, okay, maybe not okay, and and David starts off really good. David would be the one we would say, wow, if there was ever someone to rule or lead under God, a, a, a nation that uh, was aligned with God, it was David. But even with all the credentials, even with the heart, David falls short. And that's just to remind us that there are no kings out there that can lead us 100%. Sometimes even today, oh, these 3,000 years later, a lot of us are leaning on the deliverance of our lives and our country coming from the next candidate and next president more than making Christ the leader of our lives. Uh, that It just doesn't work. David... King David, a man after God's own heart, couldn't do it. So as we think about seeking a king, as we think about the hunger in our lives, uh, you know, this whole thing of physical hunger, uh, you know, just being honest, if, if you're not getting enough sleep, that affects your spiritual life. 
The way you eat affects your whole life. They're all intertwined. Uh, Some would say we're, uh, you know, spirit, soul, and physical. Some would say we're, uh, you know, there's three. It's a trichotomy, and and you can get all into that. But the reality is our physical life does affect the way we interact with our world around us. We need to take care of that. But a lot of us have spent more time taking care of that We're more conscious on taking our medicine and our vitamins than leaning into God on a daily basis. And that's not, again, I say it often, I I really mean it. It's not to put you down. It's to say, wow, you're missing out. You're missing out. I'm missing out on a well-balanced meal spiritually. We get all up in arms on all the other things, but spiritually, so much important. Yes, they're inter. You know, some people admit they don't care about their physical body. It's all spiritual. I don't think you can do that. I think God wants to take care of the gift that He's given you, whatever form it's in. So again, this idea of hunger and not being who we ought to be, who God has made us to be, and when you and I are off just a little bit. Not saying that we're perfect, but when we're not, when we're when we're having that hunger, we're trying to fill it with other things, or we're kind of anemic when it comes to our spiritual life, even though we've said yes to Christ. We find the choices that we make are not the best, and we find that the choices that we make have long time ramifications to our lives. It, it, it's just it's hard. Those those choices have ripple effect so we want to be on our best game we want to be spiritually in the best place we can be walking with god as things come across our path where we have to make a decision where we have to make a choice we want to make our choices and our decisions out of a walking with god not out of walking with god from three years ago two months ago but yesterday we want yesterday's time with god to inform today's choices. And sometimes those choices seem very insignificant, little, but they they do uh, get all in there, and there's this compounding interest kind of thing with our choices. And this isn't to freak us out. This isn't to make us feel so uncomfortable. It's just made us to open our eyes and say, wow, my choices do matter. And if I'm making choices and it's just a part of life, and I'm making those choices out of a relationship with God, I'm going to make not perfect choices, but better choices, healthier choices. So, you know, all those choices, all those things that uh, you and I have done, I'm sure uh, Alan and Maisie can't believe it's their 68th anniversary Maisie got married when she was three, so that would make her, you know, 71. Alan, yeah, he was a little older. But anyway, but all those choices that they made, little choices, big choices, played in, has played into who they are today and the way they face the world. They would say first they didn't get everything right. No one does. But again, those choices... They are so, so important. And today we're talking about a story in a sense. It's a 3,000-year-old snicker bar that involves honey. 
And there's all kinds of choices going on that seem to be not important, but they are important. These, there's a significant choices. There's choices we're going to see by a character, a son of the king named Jonathan. He had choices to make. His father, King Saul, had choices to make. And they weren't always informed by a growing relationship with God through Christ. That makes us very vulnerable. That's a dangerous place to be. Most of us don't like to make decisions with not enough information. We don't like what happens when we do that, whether it's a purchase of some expensive thing, uh, whether it's uh, getting a house, you, you want it inspected, you want to make the best choice possible, job, spouses, all those kinds of things. And so to be well-informed is so important. And we're going to see with Saul specifically, and I, I feel bad for Saul, Saul doesn't make good choices. He's all over the place. He's inconsistent. One moment he's making a godly choice, the next minute he isn't. And it goes back and forth and all over the place. And as we saw last week, which we got a little ahead of ourselves, uh, eventually the kingdom is taken from him, even though... Even though his son would have been an excellent king looking from the outside. Everything we know about Jonathan seems like he would have been a great second king of Israel. But because of all Saul's choices, they just kind of got compounded. The kingdom is taken from his family, which means it's included, it's taken from Jonathan. Jonathan is a casualty of Saul's poor choices. I guess that bothers me more than anything. I don't want any of the people that I have any bit of influence in to be a casualty of my poor choices, especially my kids. I can be okay with some of you making bad choices because I did something stupid and it affects your life. I don't want it to affect my kids. I think that's true for most of you. That, that's, the, that's the line your family, your grandchildren, whatever, that, that's the line. You do not want a ripple effect where a, a, a half-thought-through choice has some kind of negative impact and those you hold dearest. Don't want a choice to cause a problem for Cindy. I, I just, I, I'd rather, you know, go home early than have, uh, to heaven than have my choices cause a problem her so this this is important stuff it may seem oh it's getting nitpicky but just thinking about it and it should be like a rhythm bill mentioned about the spirit the holy spirit when you and i place our trust in christ god joins our life through the person of the holy spirit what a gift we're not operating on our own we're not on autopilot he's a part of our life We've talked about this a few times before. And Peter, we realize that he's given us everything we need for this moment that we are in. Not tomorrow, not three days from today, but today. What you and I are facing today, we have all the tools, all what we need to walk through it in a Christ-honoring way, which benefits us. It's better with Jesus than apart from him. If that wasn't true, Jesus has, God has set us up for failure. God is like a, 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 
cranky old parent that says, go see how that works for you, you know, and, and puts you out there and watches you fail, and it's kind of like, ha, 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 you know, uh, you know th- and that's not God. That's not the God of love that uh, we follow. So, so these choices are, you know, are important for us as we make them. So we're going to use the message, paraphrase, translation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Eugene Peterson, I really appreciate him. Just a real solid man of God. He passed away a few years ago, and uh, Hebrew Greek scholar, and uh, he. The whole reason this came about is he had a church. He had started a church in Maryland, and when he started that church, he started preaching through different portions of Scripture. And because he was so knowledgeable about the original languages, he would start there, and he would say, "What does this mean for my people?" So he was like translating it live for his people, and 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 he had the ability to do that. Years later, someone said, hey, you ought to put that into a translation. So that's what uh, we have when we refer to the message translation. So 1 Samuel 14, beginning in verse 24. Saul did something really foolish that day. He addressed the army, a curse on the man who eats anything before evening, before I've wrecked vengeance on my enemies. None of them ate a thing all day. Craziness. It's interesting. It's all about him. My vengeance. My kingdom. Not not good. Not good at all. And it doesn't make sense. No power bar, granola bars for anybody today. I would think they had to drink some kind of water, but when it came to anything with any substance in it, Nothing for them. No snicker bars for anybody. There were honeycombs here and there in the field. But no one so much as put his finger in the honey to taste it. For the soldiers to a man feared the curse. But Jonathan, that's Saul's son, next heir of the throne, hadn't heard his father put the army under an oath. And he stuck the tip of his staff into some honey and ate it. Refreshed, his eyes lit up with renewed vigor. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You would think that they would have been handing honey out to everybody in this battle. Tank up, go to it, win the war, win the battle, go after it. But no one did it. Jonathan, it was just common sense, hadn't, hadn't heard about what his dad had said, and so there we are. And with Saul, we find this happening, this idea of choices and compounding effects. Choice after choice after choice. He makes some good ones, but a lot of his choices put everybody in a bad way, put everyone in a bad spot. And for most of us, we can get away with a couple bad choices. Isn't that great? You can mess some things up a few times. It doesn't destroy everything. But eventually, just like compounding interest, they catch. In that case, we like the fact there's compounding interest. But when it comes to our decisions, it's not a good thing when they're bad decisions. When they're good decisions, that's wonderful. It's wonderful to live out of Last year, three years, five years ago, we made this good decision, and it's paying off now. Some of us who were able to get mortgages at the low interest rate of like a year and a half ago are like, yes, 
And that will pay off as long as you have that mortgage. That's a great thing. It just keeps paying. It keeps helping out. I remember my parents used to like to talk about buying their house back in, oh, I don't know, let's see, 1967-ish. And eventually their payment was $75 a month. And when they first got married, they couldn't, they didn't think they could handle it. They were like, how are we going to make this payment and uh, all this kind of thing. And then as years went on and on and on and on, instead of paying it off, they just kind of liked, my mom especially, liked being able to say, yeah, our house payment is $75 a month. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you can't buy anything for $75 a month anymore. But again, this whole idea of making a decision, a choice that has good uh, positive effects into the future. And uh, choices matter. This has been popping around the internet the last few days. I don't know if you've seen this little boy. Some quotes say this is why God gave little boys mothers, um, whatever. And uh, it's interesting, you know, on one hand, if he makes it, that's a bad thing because he's just going to live a risky life. If he makes it half, I don't know. You know so, so this is a choice. And the choice will have some kind of effect in life. When you and I make choices, we can function out of wisdom. Get it? <laughs> Following your own conscience. We talked a little bit about that last week. You've got two consciences going against each other. You've got, in a sense, Saul making these choices. And he got Jonathan not aware, but when he becomes aware, he just doesn't make sense to him. You read in verse 27, but Jonathan hadn't heard his father and put the army on the oath. He stuck his tip in, shook a little bit, and wow, he was ready to keep on fighting. Soldier spoke up, your father has put the army under solemn oath, saying a curse on the man who eats anything before evening. No wonder the soldiers are drooping, Jonathan said. My father has imperiled the country. Look how quickly my energy has returned since I ate a little of this honey. It would have been a lot better, believe me, if the soldiers had eaten their fill of whatever they took from the enemy. Who knows how much worse we could have whipped them. If you think... You know it all, you're a fool, for sure. Real survivors learn wisdom from others. I mean, Saul's just making this stuff up as he goes along. Please just don't make stuff up as you go along. Lean into others. Lean into other Christ followers. Have people in your life that are trying to follow Christ as passionately as you are and maybe even more passionately. Don't rely on those that don't know about the spiritual life, that haven't had their hunger spiritually filled with the love of Jesus. doesn't mean you can't learn something from somebody else, but it does mean if you're looking for direction in life, in following Christ, you ought to find some people that are rowing in the same direction as you. Maybe you read some books about some of the dead people from the past. <laughs> These people that lived in the 1500s, the 1700s, the 1800s, even someone who lived 20 years ago. 
and their life teaches you. But God has some people with skin on, people that can be trusted, people that you can't, in a sense, uh, convince to give you the answer you want. I've talked about this before, but I just have to keep it on the front of my mind. I can present a question to somebody and get the answer I want usually. Can you do that? I think you can. I think you can paint a scenario and say, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, and I need to do this. And those folks, they can be solid, all-in, Christ followers. They go, yeah, that's the right thing to do. You set them up to get the answer you want. I have to work hard because I can be a little manipulative. I have to work hard to ask people in a way that I'm not shaping or informing their response to my question. And that, 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 takes, that takes some heart. Fortunately, you have the spirit. If you're sensitive to the spirit, we talked about that last week, he will help you. He'll help you. He'll say, Dave, you're manipulating. Dave, you're trying to set this up with the answer you want. Dave, you did it right. And I'm helping this person confirm a direction I want in their life. Wise people around us. Again, just, just this craziness with what Saul has done uh, for his, uh, his nation. 1 Corinthians, no one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. In some of your translations, talk about the mysteries. I like this rendering better because mysteries make us say, oh, it's for the mystery things that God. No, it's for the it's for the day in and day out things. God's revealed his will for you. We talked about that last week. Life is not as complicated as we make it. There is right or wrong, right and wrong. There is this direction, not that direction. And God gives it to us. It's there. There's a lot of things I don't even have to pray about. I just know I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do. It's no mystery. So actually, I like that rendering of it better because mystery lets us, oh, it's for the mystery things, the, the, the heavenly, you know, the things up here. No, it's for today. It's for this afternoon. It's for how you act to your kids, to someone in the checkout line. It's, it's all those kinds of things. It's how you drive out of the parking lot. It's how you, you know, someone's getting out and uh, someone's getting in their car and you pause for a second to let them get in their car rather than go zooming by because you're more important than they are. All those kinds of things. Those aren't mysterious. That's common sense. Wisdom. Following your energized conscience. And when I say energized conscience, that is by the Holy Spirit. Not energized by some other little whatever out there. Yes, that might be able to give you some more information. But you want what comes into your soul, comes into your thoughts, comes into your heart. To be tweaked and informed by the Spirit in your life. And I absolutely believe that is I didn't, then we're in big trouble. I believe it's absolutely possible for the Spirit to help guide you at the right time in the right way. So an energized conscience. So sometimes that means I have to, what are the things making my heart just uh, callous towards him? 
So it may have nothing to do with the decision over here, but there's something I'm doing over here that, that just calluses my heart. Maybe the th things I find entertaining, I shouldn't be finding entertaining. And so it's building a little callousness on my heart over here, but then it's affecting my decision over here. And again, this isn't to be a mystery, but there, there are just some things that you and I can have a part. Saul is, is playing it on both sides, and because he's playing it on both sides, it's, it's a disaster not only for him, but his family and his nation. So, energized by the Spirit, you know, they move on, and I'm just going to walk through this. You can read this on your own. They're winning, winning, winning. And the soldiers are exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. By the time evening comes, they are starving. They are so hungry that they start sacrificing, you know, eating all these uh, animals. And they're not eating them in the proper way. They're eating it with the blood still in it. And that's all symbolism pointing to the fact that someday Christ will shed his blood for us. And that's the remission, the forgiveness of sins. And so because of that, there's some sacredness in the blood. And so don't eat these animals with the blood. And what's amazing is Saul pops and goes, you shouldn't do that. Here, let me set it up and do it right. And so you got Saul doing something foolish over here, something right over here. And it's just craziness. Sometimes you and I function that we're making good decisions over here and bad decisions over here. And we wonder why life is falling apart. Again, it's not that we're supposed to be perfect. And I'm just grabbing this number out of the air. But, you know, 75, 80% of our decisions ought to be Christ-honoring. When it's 40% uh, are Christ-honoring and 60% aren't, you know, I, I definitely think there's some static on the line. How can we clearly hear from God when we have callous, when we, we feel our conscience is good? Um, you know, how can we do that? Again, we need to be in communion with him. Uh, actually, uh, you're going to see a little bit later where all of a sudden the priest is saying to Saul, hey, we need to pray about this. And, and he's like, oh, okay, but the fact that that didn't come from him, uh, we need to hear from God. Uh, Proverbs that a lot of time is quoted about, you know, like uh, business vision where there's no revelation. People cast off restraint or the people perish. The real idea is where there is not revelation, where God is not revealing himself. And it's not really him revealing himself. It's where we're opening our eyes to his revelation. And again, in the Saul, story of Saul and the unfolding, Saul goes to him and doesn't hear anything from him. We're going to see that in a few moments. And because Saul doesn't hear anything, he realizes something's wrong. Uh, sometimes there are these moments where we just uh, don't hear from God. He wants us to wait and be patient. But Saul identified this as sin, and he thinks it's, uh, he just can't figure it all out. And uh, this idea, again, of revelation, you and I, when we are not regularly being expo exposed to God's presence, his speaking into our life, people perish, restraint is off, we make bad choices. Message translates it this way, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend... To what he reveals, they are most blessed. I can't do this. I'm every Sunday morning, I don't know why it happens, about 9.30, my phone beeps and it tells me how much screen time I've had this last week. And uh, someone said, oops, that, that may be good. Maybe I didn't have much screen time, Bill. 
you need more screen time. No, it did not say that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, 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 it reveals something. Wouldn't it be nice, you know, if you could, it probably wouldn't be nice, if you could have like a little app on your phone. Okay, this is, uh, you have attended only 20% of what I've said. Oh, you've attended 80% of what oh, You know, what would it say? What would that program say? But the fact is we don't need that program because you have God himself if you've said yes to Christ in your life. Better than an app, it's him himself with you in life. And when we attend to what he reveals, we are most blessed. I mean, that's how we go about this. And yes, we're hammering on this, but there's a reason for this. I've had a couple opportunities where people have asked about a next step in their faith and their walk with God, and it fits right into this. We're talking about this growth process, this idea of follow, share, serve, and mentor. Uh, first one's online, second one's coming online, and uh, you can stop off and get services. You can uh, reach out to someone online. You can be able to offer this uh, in a Zoom format if uh, you can't get here or whatever. Some of our online folks want to be here, but they just cannot for physical uh, reasons. Uh, so uh, please take note of that. But uh, uh, the share one is just about ready to go. And uh, here are the folks that went through it about, uh, I don't know, six months ago. There we are. What a handsome-looking crew. And uh, we worked our way through and uh, completed these so that we can actually help lead someone else along in this process. So, again, just ways that you and I can attend to what God has revealed. I mean, we have a resource center, a library with lots of opportunities to uh, just learn more about Christ so we can attend to what he's revealed. It's like having uh, notes over here, and we just haven't opened them. I know that when I got little love notes from Cindy, I would open them. I just didn't go, oh, it's a note from Cindy. Ooh, do you need to know? Good. I just leave it over there. No, I would open it. I'd read it a zillion, billion times, you know. And, uh, you know, because so they were accessible to me. It wasn't that it wasn't there. I needed to still open it up and engage with it. And we have lots of ways to engage. Right now, media is another one of those things. And, again, if you want to keep your conscience sensitive to the things of God, you need to realize, I need to realize that my conscience can be seared, can be calloused. We said this last week, but I thought it was important to say it again. Sometimes our clear conscience is not an indication of our innocence. Well, I feel okay about this. This is okay. It's an indication of the fact that we have been disobedient and our sin has blinded us to the reality of what it is we face. So we can sin over here, have a decision over here, and on one hand, they don't seem to be much related, but because of this over here, it affects this over here. So don't, don't think your life can be so separate. We talked last week about that passage in James where it talks about, uh, King James, I think, says, prayers of a righteous man availeth much, and then it goes on to say, basically, the idea, if you have a spouse, if you have a wife, and your relationship with your wife isn't right, it affects your prayer life. So, you know, so there you go. These two things, they're all interrelated. So as we think about this, all this idea of choices and consistency. Choices and consistency. And again, uh, 
Saul just doesn't get it. One moment he's doing things right, the other moment he's not doing things right, and it reflects a divided heart. Reminds me of that passage in James. If you need wisdom, ask our God, gener- God ask generous God, our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Isn't that great? He doesn't kind of put you down when you ask. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone, that you're trying to lean into him and being honest with him, saying, I, I have hesitations. I'm not sure. He appreciates that. He already knows that because he's looking into your heart. So, so to have faith in him alone. And when you say, I, I can't, I'm having trouble trusting you completely, I'm really you know, nervous about this. I'm trying to trust this too. And, and he gets all that. But just be honest with him. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And don't we see that with Saul's life? Further on, we're going to see the way he interacts with David as David comes online and really is one of his best right-hand men. And uh, he's inconsistent. One minute he wants to kill him, one minute he's absolutely just back and forth. It's all divided. There's, there's, there needs to be consistency. You don't start going, I just want to get, uh, you know, 60% of it right. No, you, you, you want to get it all right. You know you're not perfect. I get that, so don't beat yourself up for that, but don't let that be an excuse to waver. Well, I think I'm not going to get it totally right, you know. I mean, you know, what are you contracting for? I can't remember if I've told you this story before, but I had a friend who was in school, and you would contract for the grade that you wanted. And so he, being a scholar, he always contracted for an A. I'm like, I'm just contracting for a C. I just want to knock this class off and get on to the next one. And he couldn't understand it. He could never contract for anything less than an A. You know, and so, you know, but when it comes to our spiritual life, you know, go for it. Be all in. Don't contract for a C. Be all in and see how it all unfolds. Part of this is do not make promises. You're going to say, what do you mean don't make promises? Just this whole idea of, you know, having to beef your word up with extra words to show you're really serious. Like when I was a kid, and I know this sounds very wrong, you know, sometimes when you were trying to say you were going to do something, you go, I swear on a stack of Bibles, you know, and like, like that made it right or something. You know, I mean, we see that in our court system. Isn't it great to have a Bible there? But it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, your word, should, your yes should be a yes or no should be a no. You shouldn't have to, you know, amp it up with all this extra words. I really, really mean it this time. Or yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, it's just, just don't make promises. Let, let, let the credibility of your word and past experiences make your yeses and your noes be enough. And again, Saul is all over the place. Saul has made this oath. And then you see when they finally figure out that uh, Jonathan has eaten the honey and that's the curse. And, and Saul is ready to kill his son. I mean, literally kill his son. And fortunately, the men, because they saw the impact that Jonathan had had on the battle, and just because I think it was Jonathan, said, we won't do it. So don't make foolish oaths. Know what God wants you. There's a, there's a little, little seed, Judges 11, 30 through 31. Check that out. You're going to see another judge making a crazy oath, and the results of it are, are horrible. I, I encourage you to take a look at that. 
Again, make your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Don't get into this game where uh, there's some, there's some mis, you know, just misleading kinds of things going on here. Uh, also, being o- own being wrong. I mean, Saul could have just said, that was the stupidest thing I ever said. Done. Over. Does he really have to make it a showdown between, uh, you know, his men and Jonathan, they don't want to take him out, and, and Saul wants to take him out because he's made this oath because he's proud. Why don't we say that was, the, that was just a dumb thing to say? I'm sorry, I own it. Uh, you know, done. You know, there's some commentators that think that even at this time, Saul in his insecurity, we talked about his fear, that he was starting to get to the place where he saw that Jonathan had integrity. And he didn't. Jonathan had an effective life. He didn't. And he was starting to be threatened by Jonathan. So this was a little easier to let it go this way. I mean, you know, we got to realize that all of us someday, those that are running behind us are going to start to run with us. And eventually they're going to run ahead of us. That's the way life is. That's a good thing. It's an okay thing. And we need to realize this, and Saul starts to be threatened by that. I remember the first time I lost to the girls in checkers, and it was not because I wasn't paying attention, because I would never lose on purpose to them. That would be like, oh, that's horrible, and I don't care if they were three years old, five years old, I was winning if I could win. That says something bad about me, but anyway, but I can remember the first time, I was, I wasn't, it wasn't because I wasn't paying attention, it was because I just, they got the upper hand on me, and so I took the checkerboard, threw it off the ground, stamped on it. No, no, I didn't do that, you know. That's what Saul's doing here. Expect it. Welcome it. Be the counselor on the side who's lived a little bit more life, and maybe you don't have the same power and strength you had before. That is okay. That's the way it is. But Saul is not that way. Again, going on with this idea, my word is my bond. Without having to say that, is your word your bond? It's funny, Jonathan's, the rest of the men are like, we will not let this happen. Jonathan's life is secure. And that was their word. Their word was their bond. Our word needs to be our bond. No wiggle room. So that means make wise decisions. Make wise proclamations. Also, we see towards the end of this passage that uh, Saul, because uh, the army wasn't sustained with energy and they couldn't best the Philistines uh, at the level they they should have, uh, we see him pull back. In a sense, he surrenders. Saul pulls back from chasing the Philistines and the Philistines went home. The victory could have been better. When was the last time in your life, in my life, I have to ask myself, when could the victory have been better in my life, but I pulled back prematurely? And that doesn't mean being stubborn. It doesn't mean being in someone's face, but I I just kind of gave up. In Galatians, we read, don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seed. For the, harve- for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. 
Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. It's not a take every opportunity to get for yourself. No, to be a blessing for others. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. But not stopping short. That's my little point of view. You see that thrust. Love God, love others. Don't become weary. Or maybe don't let the weariness captivate you. Stop Group. Every once in a while, I'm, I, I have to spend a little bit more time with the Lord because I'm weary. I'm tired. I lean in, and then I leave with encouragement and strength. I'll let you read the quote from Eugene Peterson a little bit. I've started reading this book called Run with the Horses, and it's all about the life of Jeremiah. And I encourage you to find out who Jeremiah was and what that means, run with the horses. Last, we also get this idea of choices and appraisals. We see that uh, people have summed up Saul's rule even before it's over. We see that in verses 47 to 48 of Samuel 14. Saul extended his rule, capturing neighboring kingdoms, and he fought against on every front, and blah, 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 and all these good things. That's the way they people looked at Saul. Yes, we got the king. We, we got the king we wanted. But his heart was all messed up. So people's appraisals was not right. And we have to ask ourselves, how do people appraise us? Are we leaning on the appraisal of those that really don't see what's going on in our hearts? Do they know? Saul, on the outside, it looked like he was a wonderful king. But we know that that wasn't the case. Even we're going to see when he's rejected, he begs Samuel to come back to like the recap of the battle so that it's as, so everybody sees Samuel with him, and Samuel finally agrees. So it gives the impression that Samuel is like blessing Saul when Saul has actually been told by Samuel that God is going to rip the kingdom from his hands. All external. People see the external. God sees the internal. So how will God appraise our lives? That's really obviously what counts. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. That makes me go, yikes! Motives of all, all the motives of my heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Oh, that's a choice. God's appraisal is what's going to count. doesn't mean you don't ever make a judgment call. Sometimes people take these, these verses out and you just throw them out. They don't know anything about the Bible, but they know a verse that says don't judge or something like that. And they love to throw that out there. And that's not what, you know, we have to make evaluations all the time. We have to choose right over wrong and all of that. So we have to make judgment calls without being judgmental. And so God will appraise all of our lives, all of our hearts, be able to fake them out i won't be able to trick a friend into giving me the answer that i want 
think that's happening with God. God knows what's going on. So you've heard this said in probably a number of ways, a number of different texts come up, but the bottom line today is we all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. That compounding impact. Choices make us, even the small choices, they just keep building and building and building and building and building. And that can put us in a great place in the sense of our relationship with God, or not so great. Can't take our relationship with God away. We don't earn our salvation, so we can't unearn our salvation. But our choices do have an effect if you're making good choices. I think uh, Jason and Lana Gallus are going to be up here at the end in time. So if you'd like to talk with someone and pray with somebody, don't ever let uh, coming up from to you, ooh, I don't want anyone to see me. Most people are like looking that way because they want their coffee. And today they want cake, so they're not looking up here. But even if they were, even if we all just sat there and watched, you need prayer, you ought to get prayer, okay? So don't, now, now there's going to be like, get away. But so take advantage of that. You help settle some things in your heart that God's been stirring in this time together. So let's ask that you pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the patience you have with us. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you join our lives when we say yes to you that there's nothing in life that we're not equipped to walk in or through or around. And so, Lord, help us rather than to pull away from you, get closer. Father, as we make choices, may the choices we make even today be choices that we can actually build our lives on because they're godly choices, solid choices. And, Lord, where we need our conscience stripped down to bare metal because we've let a lot of calluses build up, I pray the fear of doing that would not stop us from doing that. So I thank you for my friends here, my friends online. Lord, we just want to live lives that please you and honor you and enjoy you as we look to that second chapter of Acts for eternity. Good things. We ask all this in your name.